Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 1 on what the difference is between being darkness and being in darkness. This message is always available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org or on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Free listening, free download, available at friendshipwithgod.org or again on iTunes.com by searching for the Friendship with God podcast that's made available by your listener support, your financial support to this radio Bible teaching program. So if you enjoy this program and Tom Cantor's teaching, please support us by calling us at 800-247-3051. That's 800 800- Two four seven thirty fifty one. You can call us now or after the program, 800-247-3051. You can also donate online at your convenience at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. We've also got lots of free resources available from Tom Cantor on our website, friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 1 on what the difference is between being darkness and being in darkness. Precious Lord Jesus, with all the rain and the dark clouds outside, we remember that hymn, Lord, that calls you, O light of our dark sky, O truth unchanged, unchanging, O wisdom from on high. This morning, Lord, come to us through the Bible and be to each one of us individually the light of our dark sky our truth unchanged, unchanging. Lord, our wisdom from on high. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, turn to, if you would, to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to be covering some more here. <clears throat> this uh, flower pot section of the Bible is full of flower pots from which so much grows out in the New Testament and other parts of the Bible. Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And God saw the light. It was good. And God divided the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and the evening and the morning were the first day. Now, last week, we spoke about faith. We looked at Hebrews 11.6, where we saw that without faith, it's what? It's not even possible. It's not within the realm of possibility to please God without faith. It's just not. Because he that cometh to God has to believe that he exists, that he is, and that he is a just, that he is a rewarder of them that casually seek him, right? <laughs> that seek him conveniently on Sundays, right? No, it says that, what, that diligently seek him, right? And we learned last week the third universal rule in life, which is, it's take the God seriously, right? Okay. Take God seriously. That's it. And what word in the Bible can be substituted with that universal rule of life? Faith. Without taking God seriously, it's impossible to please Him. You try that on all the places in the Bible where you have the word faith, substituting that phrase with taking God seriously. So what was the first universal rule in life? Don't make God mad. That's right. And that's the same as saying in the Bible, fear God. That's what fear God means. Don't make him mad. Don't make God mad. And the second universal life 
the second universal rule of life, we already heard it, was make God happy, right? Make God happy. And what's, the, what's that the same as in the Bible? Obey God. Obey God. All right. So we talked about taking God seriously. We talked about the importance of praying. We were challenged by that story of Bill James uh, as a result of his sin of not praying for his co-workers. We'll have more to say about that in our calling. As, uh, as Peter calls us, but you are a chosen generation, a what? Royal priesthood. Royal priesthood, Royal priesthood in 1 Peter 2, 9. A holy nation of peculiar people. We sure match that part. We're <laughs> <laughs> very peculiar. <laughs> that you should show forth the praises of him that hath called you out of darkness into his that's right, his marvelous, glorious light, his marvelous light. And so we learn from verse 2 in the Bible here in, in Genesis 1-2 that there was a darkness that was on the face of the deep. That was a, t- that was a bad thing, okay? because a, God says the light was a good thing. It's, you could say the darkness was a bad thing. God brought a good thing to overcome the darkness when he said, let there be light. And when we study about the darkness and the light and all these things, we need to understand that these were literal things that occurred here in the book of Genesis. These are literal things. God created the heavens and the earth in a literal six 24-hour period. There was a time when God spoke literally, let there be light and the appearance of the light happen. But the Bible not only teaches us what literally happened, but it also teaches us about unseen things that occurred. And it uses the term, and I'm sure you've all seen this word before, parables, parables. Now, parables, the best way to think about a parable is to substitute the word parallel, a parallel. Because whenever you see the word parable in the, in, in the New Testament, for example, I want you to think of the word parallel because what he was saying to them was that I'm teaching you something which is running parallel to this. And that's so often the case in the Bible is that there is a parallel teaching which is taking place. Now, for example, here's a story of a sower and he's scattering seed. And some of the seed falls on good ground and it's not is a good ground and it's received and some of it falls on bad ground and it's, it's not received. And so I can see the sower and he's sowing the seed. But right parallel to that, what he's saying there is that there is a Christian telling the Bible message to the lost. Parallel to that, he's the sower. And so just like some of the seed is received on good ground, some of what the Christian says the Bible teaches is received by some. And just as the seed, some of the seed on the sower is, is not received, but rejected by the bad ground, then some of what, some of the people who hear the Bible message from the Christian reject it. And that's, that's the parallel teaching. So that's a parallel teaching. Darkness and light in the book of Genesis here is also a parallel teaching that the Bible uses as well. And we looked at one of them last week in 2 Corinthians where it talked about, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts. All right. Now, if you look, turn if you would please to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 8. And here's another, uh, here, here's another parallel parable, parallel uh, teaching here when you turn there to Ephesians, okay, chapter 5, verse 8. Now here in this, in this verse, it says something a little bit disturbing. 
It says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It says, we were darkness. That's what it says. We were darkness. Each one of us, you and I, had our BC period, right? Just like in the, in the dating thing, our before Christ period, before we knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you and I were not only in darkness, and that's different from being darkness itself, we were just, like my Israeli cardiologist friend, Ishiahu, I met last week, he said to me, I don't know if there really is a God and if there's a heaven. And I told him, of course you don't, because you're in, you, are, you are now in your individual darkness. Darkness is individual. It's an individual darkness. And we understand that. We were there, if we're honest. We were there at a time as well. Ephesians says that you and I were not only in the darkness, but we were actually darkness itself. Now, let's think about the difference between being darkness and being in the darkness. First of all, what does it mean when it says we're in darkness? Okay, now that we were darkness. Turn to Mark chapter 7, verse, verse 21. Mark 7 Okay, Mark 7, 21. Now, notice this passage here, Mark 7, 21. You got it? Okay. Now, it says here, Mark 7, 21 through 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile the man. Now, here's a question. What two words were repeated in verse 21 and 23? Yeah, that's it. From within. You know, in these three succinct verses here, we have a point that's stated about sin, and, this, and we get the list of sin in verse 22, but it's, it starts off, by telling us the point, it's coming from inside of you. In verse 21 and verse 23. The issue is that sin is coming from in us, from within us. It's coming from within. This is clearly stating we are not little innocent Marys with our little lambs. That's not us. Don't color us that way. And, and, and who had our pure little souls dirtied up in life. And somehow we ended up sinful. That's not us. We can't pull off an atom. You know what an atom is? Lord, I confess to you, please forgive me because this rotten woman that you gave me, <laughs> she made me sin, and that's why I disobeyed you, and that's the fruit. That's an atom. We can't pull an atom off. We can't pull an Eve off. Remember Eve? Lord, please forgive me because the snake that you also put in this garden. Okay, we can't do that. We cannot say that. Lord, I just had no choice. That person provoked me. I had to strike back. I had to, I had to hate. I can't do that. Because these verses are telling us that the sin is coming from within us. It's within us. Makes it very, very clear. And notice when it says so clearly there. You see that word all? That little word all? <laughs> that little word all means all. Every single one of those evil things is coming from within us. And they make us dirty. And you know what God said about his people, his Jewish people in uh, Isaiah 1, 4? Turn to that again, if you would, please. We've looked at it before. Isaiah 1, 4. 
speaking about his own people, the parent, speaking about his child, children. He says in Isaiah 1-4, he says, Ah, God says, sinful nation. That means full of sin. Full of sin nation. A people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Here God's saying, oh my people, you're not only just sinful, as like you're full of sin, you're carrying sin, and not just a little bit of sin. You are laden, you are heavy with it, you are thick with it. You are so sorely burdened down with this iniquity. And God says, when you should be going forward, you're going backward. And God calls them terrible. He says, this is something terrible. You're not just corrupted. He says the word, you are corrupters. Corrupters. That means you spread darkness. That means you are darkness. Bringing it in. Remember he said, and I just you want to write it down. In Matthew 23, he speaks to the scribes and the Pharisees, 23, 13. And he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. So here what he was saying was that the door for sin and uncleanness was open, and the leaders of the people not only, not only did not go in themselves, they blocked the way for others to go in as well. That's not just being in darkness, that's being darkness coming from within. We were darkness. We were darkness spreaders. We affected other people. Now turn, if you would, please, to John 3, 19. The good news is there's hope after all this. Anyway, this is the way it is. All right, John 3, 19. Here, the Lord Jesus Christ is describing for us Condemnation, And this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world, parallel with Genesis 1, let there be light. That light is come into the world, parallel with Genesis 1, the light came from God. And men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. We loved darkness, that was our delight. You know, last week Cheryl was cleaning out some old drawers. I hate it when she cleans out old drawers because she always runs across some old things and some of these were old letters from my high school buddies and, and I read them and I was just ashamed and just all the references to stuff we did, the sin and everything has just made me feel so horrible and I just thanked God for the great rescue in my life from that sin. And, and so a couple of weeks ago, again, Cheryl was cleaning. She cleans a lot. Anyway, she cleaned the refrigerator. And s- sometimes it goes, the refrigerator goes a little bit long time before it gets cleaned out. And, <laughs> <laughs> well, this time we knew it had to get cleaned because every time you open the door, it smelled worse inside than outside. So <laughs> it was a clue. <laughs> Something was wrong. So she started on this campaign of, you know, where is that terrible smell coming from campaign, you know? And so I decided to assist her in this campaign by doing what else? Supervising. <laughs> she just loves it when I play the supervisor role at home. I, you know, I got a new iPhone, my iPhone, and uh, my iPhone here went and gets a little, little keyboard that comes up. It has the dictation button on it. Have you ever seen that? It's kind of nice. You, you speak into it. 
she says, she says, that's not a dictation button, that's Tom's dictator button. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, <laughs> so there I was perched right behind her, you know, and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd say, oh, the culprit is, you know, the yogurt, gotta check the yogurt, you know. It's that yogurt, and it, you know, it just looks white. It's not white. Anyway, and the yogurt, you know, so she pops open the lid, and you know, the yogurt says, who, me? You know, <laughs> said, not me. So anyway, it wasn't the yogurt. And finally, we got down to the bottom of the refrigerator and the meat drawer. That's a place of great darkness, the meat drawer. <laughs> Gross darkness. And there at the bottom was this package of hamburger, you know, marked, used by December 12th, you know. <laughs> it's February 11th, you know. <laughs> And uh, we pick up the hamburger package and blood and all that stuff. That's us. We're the rotten hamburger package. We emanate darkness. We emanate darkness. But when you look at John, John 3, that's where you are, isn't it? John 3, verse 20 through 21, it explains to us, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are rotten God. Four words appear in that verse 20 and 21, and it is the four words, very important, it's repeated, you know what they are? Cometh to the light. Cometh to the light. Why is that such an important four words? Because that, those four words tell us that the light is an invitation. The light is an invitation from God. Light came as an invitation. Light came and it created a choice. It created an issue. Light created an issue. Am I going to turn to the light? Am I not going to turn to the light? Light is the Lord Jesus Christ. Whenever he's present, there's an invitation, just like the light. Whenever he's present, an issue is created. Turn to the light or not turn to the light. A crisis, if you want to think of it that way. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, or not turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. And what a person decides to do determines whether or not they'll be condemned. The condemnation, as it says, is their decision. It's their decision on what they decide to do. Will they turn to the light and cast off the works of darkness and hate darkness and change loyalties from darkness to light, or will they not? The entrance of light creates this issue, and the decision has to be made. When the Lord Jesus Christ came into the world, he came in like Noah's ark, Noah's great ark, with that open door. That door was never shut for, from wherever it was made. Sometime within 120 years, there was a door. But in essence, the door was open for like 120 years. And it was always an open door in Noah's Ark. And there were two things that the people never saw in Noah's day. You know what one of them was? They never saw rain. He's talking about rain and flood and dying and drowning. They never saw rain. They never saw these things to happen. They never saw that. You know the second thing they never saw? They never saw that door shut. They never saw that door shut. They always, they always saw the open door. They never saw the door shut. They never saw the judgment. That was always open, but the people would see both of them. They would see both of them. They, they did face the judgment of the flood, and they did see the door of the ark closed. But, they, but, but during the time, they said, this door's never shut. The store's always open. It'll be open when, I'm, when I get old. It'll, be, it'll always be there. After I have my fun with sin, the door will still be open. Then I can get saved in this ark here. When I'm too old to sin anymore, then I'll go into this, this door 
And there was a day when God did both. He shut the door of the ark and the judgment came and the judgment could not be turned away and the door was not opened a second time. Think about that. Now, can you imagine the shock for the people when they came and they said, the door shut, but it was always open. But today it's shut. It's shut. They saw it that way. It was locked and they saw themselves shut out. They saw themselves locked out. Hey, what's going on here? The door's never been shut before. It's never been. It's always been open. Just when I decide that now I want to go in the ark, it's too late. Maybe there's some mistake. There's no mistake. Because the door was not opened for them anymore. They had the opportunity. That's why David, king of Israel, said in Psalm 95 and 7 and 8, today, right now, he says, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Don't harden your heart. What's he saying there, David, king of Israel? He's saying, don't assume that that door is always going to be open. Don't assume that it's always going to be there because there's coming a day when it's going to be shut. Don't push God, is what he's saying. Don't push him. Don't presume that, oh, God will just keep that door. Condemnation is measured by how much light is brought to a person and how much they decide to reject. That's condemnation. And a person's decision to reject the light is seen in how they say to sin, you know, I missed you, sin. Come on, let's go have a good time. I love you more than God. That's the condemnation, that choice. So now, turn to Isaiah chapter 60, verse 2, please. Now, here in Isaiah 62, it describes hope in the midst of all this terrible description about us being darkness. It says, Behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. The Lord Jesus Christ came into our personal darkness when we were in gross darkness. Remember the parallel in Genesis? Darkness was on the face of the earth and God sent the light. Darkness was there, big darkness, but God sent the light. The Lord Jesus Christ came in one of the darkest times of history, historically speaking, and he came into the darkness of our lives also, in the darkest time of our lives, our personal darkness. He came. Now that's what it means to be in to be darkness and the light to come in. Now, what does it mean to be in darkness? We talked about being darkness. How about in darkness? Well, look at Psalm 82, verse 4. Psalm 82, verse 4 and 5. Here it says, Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the land of the, wick- the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out, of course. They know not. Are you, are you, are you, go, where are you going in life? Where is your, where, are you going to heaven after you die? Well, I don't know. I hope so. I hope I go to heaven. Well, as, as a matter of fact, I don't think anybody can know if they're going to heaven. <laughs> I always love that one, you know. Is I don't know, therefore you don't know. Nobody knows, because I don't know. <laughs> they know not. That's the description of a person who is in darkness, like my friend Ishiahu. I don't know if there's really a God or if there's a heaven. They know not. That's the description. They know not. Thank you for joining Tom Cantor and the Friendship with God radio program today. Now, are you interested in helping Jewish people to find their Messiah? 
returning God's lost brothers and sisters to Him. You can help get the message out to lost Israel right here in America and around the world by supporting this radio Bible teaching program and Israel Restoration Ministries with our missionaries that carry out the good news that God still loves His lost chosen nation of people, Jacob, Israel. Now, He's not forsaken them. He still calls them the apple of His eye. And even when they were out in the desert land in a waste-howling wilderness, He led them, instructed them, and kept them, according to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10. And they're still His portion and His people and His inheritance. And we help return them to the Lord Jesus Christ at Israel Restoration Ministries and the Friendship with God radio program. And you can support Jewish evangelism by going online and donating at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. It will also help to keep this Bible teaching radio program going on this station in this city, but will also get the gospel out to God's lost chosen nation of people. Now, you can also call us directly at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. We have a summer blitz campaign going on right now. We've got missionaries, Bible college students out in Jewish neighborhoods, Jewish communities, in heavily Orthodox communities, Reformed communities, Atheist communities, and even in Hasidic communities, trying to reach them with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, returning them to their Messiah. There's decisions that have already been made. You can support the gospel going to them, again, by donating online at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or, again, 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. What a joy to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and say that you had a hand in helping to return one of his lost sheep, especially one of his lost Jewish brethren or sisters. 800-247-3051 to support Jewish evangelism and the Friendship with God radio program.